Father, for being worthy of all the love that we can offer. When we give you our very lives, it is never done in vain. When we just determine to dedicate each day to you, it is done for a purpose, and we're thankful that you are worthy to receive the worship and the glory that you've received this morning. We pray now as we turn our attention to the written word of God that you would teach us from it that we would continue to worship as we think about its relevance in our lives today. In the good name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open with me to the book of James, James chapter 1, and in just a few moments we're going to be reading verses 19 through 27 of James chapter 1, as we have been uh, in a series that uh, we've titled the B-I-B-L-E. Of course, we always are going to focus on the Bible here at First Baptist Church, but especially this year, this is uh, one of the six core values that we have uh, that we're really trying to put a laser focus on this year. And as uh, part of that laser focus is that we spend some time on Sunday mornings, the front end of the year, talking about that core value, talking about what it means for our lives. And so uh, this is now the sixth and final message in this series, the B-I-B-L-E, and it's also given us a chance to sing a little song that uh, hopefully you've learned by now. We're, we're going to sing it one more time for now. Uh, that doesn't mean we're not going to sing it again at some other point, but it's really easy song to, to get a hold of. And you know, I wasn't here. I was out of uh, town last week, and so we didn't get a chance to sing it last week. But uh, I want to see how, how loud and how forceful. And, and again, the, the louder you sing, the briefer I preach, okay? <laughs> it's called the B-I-B-L-E. It goes like this. The B-I-B. Long sermon so far. Yes. Get shorter. Ah. The Bible. The Bible that we stand, the B-I-B-L-E, we stand alone on the Word of God. Today, I want us to think about and talk about the relevance of the Bible. Because oftentimes, one of the reasons that we will hear people give for why they don't engage with the B-I-B-L-E is because they don't see its relevance for their lives today. Now, on some level, I'm going to agree with that sentiment on, on some level. And for example, it's very easy for me to see the relevance of a verse like Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. That's a very relevant verse. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's a very relevant verse. It's easy to see the relevance of that verse. It's more challenging for me to see the relevance of a verse like Leviticus chapter 11, verses 7 and 8, which tells us, I don't like the verse, I'll tell you right now, pigs are unclean for you, do not eat any of their meat. No, thank you. You telling me I can't have bacon? I've got a problem with that. And so I have a little bit more difficulty seeing the relevance of a verse like that. Now, when that happens, our temptation is to pick and choose. 
Our temptation is to go, well, you know what? I'm going to pay attention to something like Philippians chapter 4 because it seems relevant to my life, but I don't know what to do with Philippians chapter 11. It doesn't seem relevant to my life, so, so I'm just going to push that verse to the side. And our temptation becomes to pick and choose what parts of the Bible that we want to apply to our lives. However, we must remember something that I hope you have learned throughout this series, a text that we looked at several weeks ago where Paul tells Timothy and us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that all scripture, all scripture, all scripture, you know what the Greek word for all is? All, every bit of it. All scripture is inspired by God. It is God breathed and it is profitable. It is useless. All scripture is profitable. It is useful for our lives. Here's something very important at the outset of this message to understand. Not every verse in the Bible is going to apply to your life in the same way that it was applied to the original hearers. However, every verse in the Bible is relevant to us. It's relevant to our lives because every verse in the Bible is part of the story of Scripture. And the story of Scripture is to reveal to us Jesus. I want you to let that sink in. That's why I put on your screen for you to let it sink into your mind. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 is relevant to my life because it reminds me that no matter how much I've got to worry about, that I can turn it over to a God who cares enough about me to hear all of those worries. Leviticus chapter 11 is uh, chapter 7, and, and, and the whole book of Leviticus, in fact, you pick a chapter, pick a verse, it's all in there. That whole book is relevant to my life because it shows me that there is a law that I cannot keep. And it points me to a law keeper, Jesus Christ, who will keep that law for me and offers me salvation by faith through grace alone in Christ alone. All scripture is relevant. Every part of your Bible is profitable. Listen, it is not the job of scripture to become relevant because it already is relevant. Our job is to embrace the relevance that scripture already possesses. And Jesus has a half-brother by the name of James. And James wrote an epistle that is very, very practical. His letter talks about things such as prayer and patience and perseverance and he speaks about the words that we use and the worship that we offer. He also offers us some very practical insight into the relevance of God's word. Look with me in James chapter 1 beginning in verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. 
but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Because pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Briefly this morning, I want to take a look at that text, and I want us to dissect it just for a minute. Because I believe James shows us three things that we must do if we're going to embrace the relevance of the Bible. Again, the Bible is relevant. It contains relevance. It is relevant for our lives. Our task is not to create the relevance. It's there. Our task is to embrace what's already there. So how, when we come into Scripture, when we come into a contact with Scripture, how can we see its relevance for our lives today? I think James mentions three things. First is this. We have to have the right attitude. We must approach the Word of God with the right attitude. Let me just ask you, what is the attitude of your heart when you approach the Word of God? Do you view it as something that you need to read a chapter a day to keep the devil away? Do you view it as something that you have to do to mark off that spiritual to-do list for the day? Do you approach Scripture with the attitude of, you know, it's just too hard to understand, so, so why even try? Or, or do you approach it maybe by saying, you know, this, these are some, some ancient words written a long time ago, and I don't know if it has anything to do with my life today. Is your attitude toward the Bible one of indifference? You just don't particularly care to spend time interacting with the Word and the God who wrote it. Those attitudes or or a combination of any of those attitudes don't constitute the attitude that God wants you to have when you approach His Word. James gives us some hints. James shows us what our attitude should be when we approach the Word of God if we're going to see its relevance in our lives today. For example, James says we have to have the attitude in which we ponder the Word of God. We have to ponder the Word of God. He said that everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, hey, that is a wonderful principle in in every relationship. But the specific context that James is referring to is in our relationship with the Word that's been implanted into our lives. That as we approach that Word, that we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. We should be ready and eager to ponder the Word of God, to dwell it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If the only time you spend in God's Word is in this half hour of me yapping on Sunday morning, you will not see its relevance. If the only time, if the only interaction you have with God's Word is two or three minutes just looking into it and walking away from it, you will not see its relevance. We have to be quick to listen to this Word and and slow to voice our opinion about it, slow to speak, but to ponder the Word of God. But we also need to be peaceful as we ponder the Word of God. (laughs) Everyone should be slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. All right, let's just meddle for a second, okay? Because you say, what in the world could the relationship between being peaceful have to do with our approach to Scripture? 
Why should I have to be focused on being peaceful when I'm going to seek to interact with Scripture? Well, let me ask it to you this way. Have you ever tried to interact with Scripture when you're not at peace with someone? You ever tried to get a word from God when you're out of fellowship with God or with others? Has this ever happened? And you don't have to admit it here. We're not Catholic. You ain't got to confess to me. But I know it's true. I know it's happened in my life. And I'm pretty sure something similar has happened in yours. You ever been in a situation you've been like, I cannot believe. Maybe you're talking to your spouse. I cannot believe that fool I got to work with. Now, I would never say that because I work with church today. You will not believe, honey, the fools I had to deal with today. And you had to believe all I had to do. And I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did There's somebody, okay, I, I can't stand it. I'm going to have a quiet time now. Do you see a disconnect in that? Of having a heart that is not like Jesus and then saying, well, let me just go now do my quiet time. Let me go see if I can seek the face of God. No, the attitude we have toward God is to be peaceful as we ponder the Word of God. To use the language of James, if you have human anger, don't expect to encounter God's righteousness. Our attitude should be such that as we ponder the Word of God, we also pursue purity as we ponder that Word of God. James said that we're ridding ourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Do not expect to see the relevance of Scripture in your life if you aren't pursuing righteousness, if you aren't pursuing holiness. This is why Paul would write to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and he would tell Timothy, so if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Maybe your next step in relation to Scripture should be one of repentance and the pursuit of purity. Only then will you see the relevance of Scripture in your life. Now, take a look at those attitudes. Can you see how these attitudes would enable a follower of Jesus to see the relevance of the Bible? I mean, when we ponder the Word of God with hearts full of peace and we're in the pursuit of purity, we will grasp the relevance of Scripture. Every time we encounter it, God will show us its relevance. We have to have the right attitude. Second... We must approach Scripture with a willing acceptance. With a willing acceptance. I ask you this question. This is one of those questions where you answer back, please. Have you, and the answer, by the way, is yes. Have you ever come across a Scripture and you've gone, oh, I don't like that one? <laughs> I'm reading in James, and I get over here to James chapter 3, and he talks about controlling my tongue. Let me just skip to James chapter 4. Nope, he talks about the proud. Let me get to James chapter, nope, can't do that. And all of a sudden, you like cut James out of your Bible. (laughs) You don't want to accept what Scripture has to say. Let me just tell you something. For thousands of years, people have tried to deconstruct and destroy and take apart the inspired Word of God, and it still stands today. You're not going to change it. (laughs) 
as hard as you want to try, as hard as you might want to, you are not going to twist this word to make it say something it doesn't say. Our task is not to change the word to accept us. Our challenge is to approach Scripture with a willing acceptance. You see, if we're going to do this, if we're going to to accept the Word of God, that means that we're going to have to accept the person of the Word of God. For you see, the Word of God, the reason that it does not change it is because the Word of God is more than mere pages on a book. The Word of God is a person, and that person's name is who? Jesus. John reminds us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. I've said several times over the course of these six sermons, and I'll say it again today, you cannot have a right relationship with the Word of God if you don't have a right relationship with the Son of God. And you can't have a right relationship with the Son of God unless you have a right relationship with the Word of God because Jesus is the Word of God. We must accept His Lordship in our lives. We must embrace His reign over our lives. We must accept the person of the Bible, the Word of God. But we also, we must accept the planting of the Word of God. James mentioned how this Word was implanted into our souls. So that when we come to faith in Christ, the Word of God is planted within our lives. The implanted Word, notice what he says about it. It has to be humbly received. Here's what I have to accept. I have to accept that this Word is planted into my life. That means that when this word calls me to live in a way that I'm not living, I must receive it and align my life to its standards. I don't get to turn it around to try to make it align with my preferences. Again, this is not PC. This is will win me no preaching awards, but I ain't got any anyway, so why start now? When I encounter this word of God, the challenge in me accepting it is planted within me is that I must reorient my life according to it. We must accept the planting of the Word of God, and we must accept the power of the Word of God. James said that this Word is powerful enough that it's able to save your souls. That's power. When the Word of God is this powerful, it will always be relevant. We must accept that power. We must be willing to be moved by that power. We must be willing to be transformed by that power. The Bible is relevant, and you will experience its relevance when you accept the person of the Word, the planting of the Word, and the power of that word. So we come to God's word with the right attitude. We come to God's word with a willing acceptance. And then third, we must approach scripture with a desire for application. Friends, this is where the rubber meets the road. You can talk all day long about how much you believe this book. You can talk about its manuscripts and its canonization and its colonization and everything elseization about it. Its inspirational illumination, you you can go all through it. 
until you live your life according to its principles. That's what reveals whether or not you truly believe it. Application is where the rubber meets the road and the Bible's relevance for our lives. You will really begin to see the relevance of Scripture when you get into the habit of applying the Scripture. You see, when it comes to application, you and I, we have a responsibility. Verse 22 makes it crystal clear. But be doers, that's your responsibility, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Right now you are hearers. Right now I am a hearer. That is a part of our following Jesus, but that is not the sum of our following Jesus. Our responsibility does not end in us being hearers of the word. Our responsibility culminates with us being doers of the word. You're not doing the word right now, you're hearing the word. So you still got a job to do when you walk out these doors. It is our responsibility that God has given us to put hands and feet upon what he has said in his word to be a doer. And look, that's, that's the fun parts, praying for myself. That's also the difficult parts, praying for our enemies. You ever try to do that? But my responsibility is to be a doer of the word from cover to cover, or the words of great theologian J.R. Ewing, from tip to tail. Some of y'all go back and watch Dallas reruns and you'll get that reference. <laughs> Our responsibility. You see, when it comes to application, we should also expect a specific result. Something's going to happen in your life when it comes to your responsibility with this application. And James explains to us that the result of failing to apply the word, look at what he says again in verse 23. If anyone wants to hear the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. He looks at himself and goes away, immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Now, the purpose of a mirror, I hate to break this to some of you guys. The purpose of a mirror is not to admire what you see in it. <laughs> the purpose of a mirror is to show you what's wrong. That's why I've got some big mirrors in my house. Because when you see what is wrong, you can then address it. The purpose of us looking into the Word of God as a mirror, it's not for us to admire how well we think we're doing at it. The, 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 the purpose of the mirror of the Word of God is not for us to go, well, look, the Bible talks about humility. I'm the most humble person I know. The purpose of the mirror of the Word of God is to show us what needs to be corrected. But if we just walk away from it, forgetting what the Bible has shown us, the information does us no good, and then we start griping about how the Bible is around. No, the Bible's relevant. It's just, just you're not willing to surrender to it. Because James then tells us that the person who looks into the law of liberty, of freedom, being careful to do, not just to hear, that person, if James were to speak to us today, James would say, if he were to tweet it, he would say, that person is hashtag blessed. <laughs> that there is something, when you apply the word of God to your life, when you live the word of God, there is something that God works in your heart. It's the result of applying the scripture. But James also mentions that when it comes to application, 
our religion is revealed. Now in our culture we use the term religion in a negative context because what we see in the name of religion is often quite negative. But James uses the word religion in verses 26 and 27 not in a negative sense. The word he uses in the Greek is the the idea behind it is one of worship or one of reverence. You see Every follower of Jesus practices some kind of religion. There's some kind of way in which we express our devotion and worship to God. The question is, is the religion you practice worthless? Or is it worth something? And don't miss what James said. Again, I'm just delivering the mail. I'm not writing it. James is the one who's meddling. James said that the person whose religion is useful is the person who watches his tongue and who ministers to the less fortunate in their context, the widows and the orphans. James says, watch, James says, when you apply Scripture, it changes what you say and it changes what you do. When you summarize someone's life Life is summarized by basically two things, what you say and what you do. People know you by what you say, and they know you by what you do. What you say, what you do. What you say, what you do. Those two things are constantly coming from our lives. And James says, if you will take the Word of God, put hands and feet to it, then what you say and what you do will be transformed by the power of the living God. And the worship, the religion that you show to others is undefiled. It is pure. It is religion that worships God. If you come to Scripture and you fail to apply it, you will not see the relevance of the need of Scripture. But if you will make a practice of practicing the Bible, you will see its relevance in every interaction you have as God works in you and through you to bring others to Him. So I ask you this morning, do you feel the Bible is relevant to you? It's a really unfair question because it's not a fair question because really it doesn't matter if you think the Bible is relevant to you. Maybe the question's better phrased like this. Have you embraced the relevance that the Bible already possesses? That begins before a right attitude, before acceptance of the right things, before application. That begins with the relationship with Jesus. See, for some of you in this room today, You have trouble seeing the relevance of the Bible in your life because you don't have a relationship with the one who wrote it. Some of you struggle to see how the Word of God impacts your life because the God of the Word has never impacted your life. You've never confessed your sin and repented of it and trusted in Him. And if that's your situation today, then that's your first step. That's your only step today, is to embrace the Word of God, not pages on a book, but the person who came and lived a life that you and I could never live and died a death you and I should have died 
and was buried and three days later rose again for this Word of God to have power that is living and active. If you don't have a relationship with Him today in just a second when we have our time of commitment, we would love to share with you how you can have that relationship today. I'll be down here in front. Dr. Jackson will be here. we got some deacons around here who would love to share with you how you can have that relationship with Jesus. But for those of us who already have that relationship, what's your attitude to Scripture? Do you need to ask the Holy Spirit to do an attitude adjustment? Is there something that you have yet to accept? Maybe you're trying to resist Jesus' lordship over your life. I'm telling you, you can fight Jesus all day long. He's going to win. <laughs> He's going to win. Just go ahead and surrender to him. Surrender to him and watch him work in your life. Or maybe there's something that you know for a fact God has placed upon your heart and in your life from Scripture that you need to start doing. You may not want to do it, but you know the Scripture's calling you to do it. Would you surrender that today? And place that before God and say, God, I'm going to apply, I'm going to put hands and feet on what you have placed before me. When that happens, we see the relevance of the Bible all over our lives. And it changes us both here and the hereafter. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to interact with your word. I thank you that it challenges us, that your Holy Spirit uses it to convict us. But Father, I'm also thankful that your word is living and active and it has the ability to change us. Whatever you're calling us to do today, Father, may we simply say yes and surrender. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand and let God have his way with you today? 